1: So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravali.
2: second week of the nhl season second week of the daily face-off show and it's the hot solo lap edition for bryce salvador he may be a daily face-off rookie but you know him as a veteran of 786 nhl regular season games former new jersey devils captain current msg network devils tv analyst bryce salvador welcome to the dfo team
3: well thanks frank I'm um- really excited uh for the opportunity to be talking hockey i love covering the devils but there's something about being able to dive into the entire national hockey league that really excites me
2: well that's exactly what we're gonna do so let's put two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck on this monday october 18th edition of the daily face-off show we're gonna start with a couple teams that are off to some troubling starts in the league. And a, a wise man once told me, take whatever happens in the first two weeks of the season with a grain of salt. But once you see it for the first month, well, that's probably about what you are in the NHL. But we've got two 0-2 teams in the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Islanders, both teams with some expectations. The Canadians coming off their run to the Cup Final. The Islanders back-to-back years in the Conference Final. So which team, Bryce, off to an 0-2 start is more concerning to you?
3: Well, it has to be the Islanders. I think everyone is expecting Montreal to have a little bit of a slow start. You Got no Price. You got no Weber. You got no Edmondson. But when you look at the Islanders, they gave up 11 goals through the first two games. Quite frankly, it's almost unprecedented. I went back and looked, talked to NHL stats. And that hasn't happened where they've given up 11 goals frank over the first two games since the 95-96 season so right off the bat they're already maybe starting what's going wrong with the structure what's going wrong with our identity yes it's a long 13 game road start to the season but you're just seeing that maybe sorokin might not be able to get the job done if he knows he's gonna have to play a lot of consecutive games so Varlamov needs to get back in between the pipes just to kind of settle things down. Not saying that Sorokin is awful by any means and he didn't have a good start. It's just the chemistry isn't there. And that, for me, is a little bit of a concerning start, especially they got Chicago's home opener coming up. Um, So, like I said, that's something that I'd be concerned if, you know, you're an Islanders fan.
2: Yeah, and look, I think anytime an Islanders team that prides itself on defense is giving up 11 goals in those first two games as you mentioned not only is barry trotz not going to be happy but the entire fan base is as well and by the way uh that goaltending tandem with varlamov and sorokin when healthy came in at number one on mike mckenna's top to bottom rankings 1 to 32 we did all of them on dailyfaceoff.com and i was a little surprised to see them there even though the strength of the tandem is high they just didn't necessarily have the experience for me to, to earn that ranking just yet. But obviously, Mike would know way better than me. And I, I think there has to be <laughs> concern, even with the Habs missing those players, really that game in Buffalo to me, like lots of yeah. question marks and and frankly excl- exclamation points, uh, if not a few expletives as well, uh, getting blown out in Buffalo in front of a half-empty building Uh, certainly some eyebrows raised in Montreal, although Jonathan Drouin off to a good start, which is key for the Habs. But speaking of the Habs, what happened, Bryce, in Montreal on Saturday night was added to the list of the feel-good stories that have shown up in the NHL in October. Alexi Lafreniere, number one overall pick, uh, goes through a tough rookie season. I think the toughest rookie season any number one overall pick has had to deal with, given all that was going on in the league. He goes to montreal plays north of the border for the first time in his hometown and (laughs) scores a goal you know you had a chance to watch him a bit closely uh being positioned where you are in north jersey what is what can alexi lafreniere get to because i think he's sort of been off the radar a little bit with how that first season went
3: well he's under immense pressure in that market frank it's just i think it was a significant moment for him to go to the bell center and score that goal The suite was full with his family. You could almost see like a weight came off his shoulders. He's a former first overall. You know, I wouldn't say his first season was all that bad. He was technically on pace to score 17 goals. But I think really, for me, it's not necessarily the ceiling. I'm saying, what's his floor? Because you got coach Gerald Gallant saying, you know what? I'm giving you top line minutes with Right, He's playing on the left wing there he's going to have to put up 20 goals to be able to stay in that, you know, in that position. Because if not, then you're going to have to move him down and maybe put Panarin back up there with At So I think there's a lot of pressure on him to produce goal-wise right now. So I'm not looking at the ceiling. I'm looking at the floor. Um, I hope that he can really just keep finding the back of the net in, in the sake for himself because it's confidence. It comes down to that pressure of being that number one guy. And if he can, like I said, maybe get – 20 goals, 20 assists, uh, that really helps that top line. It really adds depth for the Rangers.
2: Yeah, there's no question what a big benefit that would be to this Rangers team looking to take the next step as well. And for me, I just wonder if Saturday night is that sort of launching point. You think about how weird this entire NHL experience has been for him. The only number one overall pick in NHL history, at least in the last 30, 40 years, to be drafted on his couch and and via Zoom, <laughs> and then to make your debut, not have a chance to visit all the arenas, play in mostly empty buildings, uh, that's, a, that's just tough for any 18-year-old to do and to crack. And so maybe this, it sort of felt like for once for Alexi Lafreniere and the NHL that all was right in the world. So I think that can only be a positive for him moving forward. Let's take a trip out West Bryce to California where it's been a bit of a struggle for the Winnipeg Jets not getting off to the right start this season on the right foot. Uh, you drop your first game in Anaheim 4-1, to then you lose in San Jose in the Shark Tank. You know, what are you seeing from these Jets in the first two games, obviously coming into the season with high expectations because I picked them to win the Stanley Cup this year. What's up with that 0-2 start?
3: Well, if you are like yourself and pick them to win, I think you're a little bit concerned. I, You know, they had a strong record last year, Frank, on the road. They were 7-10-1, and I think that they said, hey, we can start on the road. We're playing a couple teams that, yes, it's going to be tough. It's their home openers, but if we can squeak out one win, play some 500 hockey, we'll get through those first two games. But what's really concerning was the second game. They had a, they had a two-goal lead, and they blew that. So now... You're facing a situation. You're going into. You're facing the wild. Thank goodness is not their home opener, so maybe they can get that win there. But I look at the next. I look at the last week of the of the month, and then the first week of November is really defining potentially this team. They they got to go right back to California. They got to play uh, Anaheim. They got to play the Sharks, and they got to play LA again. So. That little finish of their road trip is going to be crucial, and then they got a seven game home stance to start the month of November. So if you pick them to win the Stanley Cup Finals, I don't think it's panic time just yet, but come after the, maybe the second week of November, if they are below five hundred after that home stretch of games, I think it's uh, I'd be panic button all the way,
2: yeah, so okay, so you're not hitting it just <laughs> yet. I mean, the one no. the one thing that stood out for me from Paul Maurice was, he never minces words, which I love, and he goes, we have to play with more pace. There's no chance that we can have success in this league if we don't speed our game up. And I think maybe that's what's alarming is, okay, maybe you're facing a little bit of that youthful energy that they have in in Anaheim, but you're certainly not getting a super fast game from the San Jose Sharks. So if your pace isn't there against that team, uh, that certainly uh, raises some concern for me. And then You know, the other part is just making do in that schedule. You mentioned um, that homestand coming up. I'm looking at some of the opponents that they're playing after Minnesota. I think they play Anaheim three times in these first seven games to start the season. You got to take advantage of those opportunities when they present itself, especially when you're playing in that tough central division. So the other big story that popped up over the weekend, Bryce, was the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing Alex Bishop from the University of Toronto on an amateur contract uh, to back up Jack Campbell there on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, (laughs) and you've got an amateur on the bench. Part of it's just due to the circumstantial, you know, the odd circumstances with the Leafs cap. Uh, Justin Hall was sick. Obviously, Austin Matthews is a big ticket that's on the salary cap that's out with his wrist injury he's gonna make his debut this week and it's just tough the way that it all played out they didn't have the ability to call up another goaltender under their salary cap constraints if not they would have had to either go 12 and 5 or put uh one of their forwards on waivers which obviously they didn't want to do and their thinking was let's just get through this game and see what happens my question to you is mike mckenna wrote a piece um last weekend or two weeks ago, in fact, on dailyfaceoff.com about the idea of going towards a full-time third goalie taxi system where the third guy travels with you the entire time. You pay him a uh, better than minor league salary, call it 200,000, not quite NHL money. And you have this guy that's ready to hop in and goes to your cap uh, on a minimum salary. If in fact you need him, what would the reaction be as a player though, if you're in this spot and I know everyone gets excited about the e bug, the <laughs> third guy, but it's maybe not really that fun to have to do it on more than one occasion or have to hear the story.
3: No, I look, I talked to a lot of guys that were on those taxi squads last season, and for a lot of them, it was miserable, Frank. You just you didn't know what if you're playing, not playing, you weren't developing down in the AHL when he came back, and you saw if any action in the NHL, and so you just become this distraction, quite frankly. And I think Mike would have a better you know, a perspective from a goalie being a third goalie. Like I just remember as a defenseman on the ice, whenever you have uh, three goalies in practice, it's just, it wasn't fun. The rotation, it just seemed sloppy. So I don't know if the PA would go for that, quite frankly. It's just to have, you know, this this third goalie traveling and not playing. Um, And, you know, that's something that will have to really be decided after the season. I think, if there's any you know talk of changing roster rules now after the season started i just i don't like that idea either i think you have to just make do with the situation we got a flat cap and yes we're looking at a situation where you have 14 teams that already are expected to have no uh cap space and then you have three teams that even a half cap space frank it's below what the league at, uh, minimum salary, so they can't even call somebody up. Um, it's a tough situation for those teams, but I'm excited to see all the general ma- managers really manage uh, the, the, the rosters this year.
2: Yeah, I just think it's a situation, Bryce, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think we're going to see this way more than once this season, whether it's injury, cap, COVID, whatever it is. I just think third goalie going to be more important than ever in terms of organizational depth speaking of some organizational depth we're bringing in some off the bench all the way from vegas to get an update on what's going on a chaotic weekend for the vegas golden knights let's bring in jesse granger from the athletic jesse how you doing man
0: i'm great frank how are you guys we are good
2: so great to have you with us and we appreciate you taking the time uh so give us Jesse, just the quick injury update. Obviously, Max Pacioretty out six weeks, but everyone wants to know what's going on with Mark Stone.
0: Yeah, I think everyone wants to know what's going on with Mark Stone, including the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, From what I've heard, this injury is a little more complex. Uh, Max Pacioretty, he fractured his foot uh, in Thursday's game against the Kings, blocking a shot, and that's pretty straightforward. They know it's going to be a month, a month and a half. Mark Stone's injury is a little more complex. I don't have the details of it, but I do know that they are still evaluating it, and they're still not exactly sure how long-term this – uh, is going to be. Pete DeBoer yesterday said day-to-day. Um, I think that's more of just a designation while they figure out what's going on. But that adds to a long list of injuries, as everyone can see. Uh, Alex Tuck underwent offseason season sh- shoulder surgery. He's not expected to play until February, and they are missing a lot of their bottom six forwards with Nick Waugh, Brett Howden, Matthias Janmark, who's in COVID protocol, William Carrier, who just got out of concussion protocol, um, the good news is Pete DeBoer said that Nick Waugh, Brett Howden, and William Carrier all skated with the team, or sorry, skated on their own the other day, and he's expecting them to skate with the team tomorrow, um, so they're hoping that they can be ready for Wednesday's game against the Blues. That would help them a lot. They've been playing basically rookies making their NHL debut on the fourth line in both games this season, um, and it hasn't been pretty. They've they've had to limit those guys' minutes majorly and really lean on those top two lines, so they're not sure when they're going to get their two big guys patch ready and stone back, But it does look like they are getting some reinforcements in the bottom six, which is good.
3: well, Jesse, you know the question I have for you is who's starting against the Blues? Uh, you know, that last game against the Kings, we saw both goalies. And that was something that was supposed to be a strength for the you know for the Vegas Golden Knights this season. And you know, uh, with Boswallis having to come in and and relieve Leonard, I'm trying to now understand. You know, who's going to control the pipes there?
0: Yeah, I would expect it to be Leonard against St. Louis. Uh, he's he's the guy here, and and this team's going to ride or die with Robin Leonard. Um, obviously, Laurent Bressois is a very good backup goalie, solid backup goalie, but he's not a guy who can carry you to where this team wants to go, um, which is where Marc-Andre Fleury has carried them for four years. That's deep, deep in the playoffs. And I, I so I do expect it to be Robin Leonard. It, to me, I thought it was a little strange that Pete DeBoer uh, yanked Leonard after the second period the other night. Um, I don't think he was playing particularly bad. I don't think Robin Leonard has been stellar in his first two games against Seattle and the Kings. I think he's, he's let in a couple that he probably wishes he hadn't. Um, But I think he's made some big saves for this team. He hasn't looked in control. When Robin Leonard is on his game, I don't know if there's a goalie that I've ever watched that makes it look easier. He'll make 35 saves and at the end of the game, you're like, did he even play back there? Because he's just always in position. He just looks so in control. And so far this year, that hasn't been the case. He's, he's looked a little shaky, but he looks like he's finding his footing. And to me, I thought it was strange to pull him in a 4-1 game. We see three goal deficits overcome pretty much on a nightly basis in the NHL. You're playing a Kings team that you expect to be better than. So I, I thought it was a little strange. Uh, divorce said it wasn't because of Robin Leonard's play. He, he, he actually said he thought Robin Leonard was the, the best player on the ice through two periods, which again, makes it a little strange to pull him. But um, I expect Leonard to get in there. They, they really need him to find his stride. Um, obviously, trading Mark andre Fleury, he has some massive shoes to fill. Um, I think he's feeling that pressure a little bit, but I do think Robin Leonard is a, a, a very good NHL goalie and they need to get him to that level.
2: Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch, Jesse, but I guess my big question is given the update that you just gave us on Mark Stone and where things stand, and we know now that Max Pacioretty's out for six weeks, who is, who's going to be stepping up for the Golden Knights? Who are you looking towards to say if these two top scorers for the Golden Knights are out for a while, which is certainly still possible with Stone, who do you have circle to, to step up and fill those shoes?
0: Well, immediately you think of the misfit line. And William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, and Riley Smith have played together basically since day one in this franchise. I think it was the eighth game of the inaugural season that they got paired together. And they've basically played alongside each other ever since then. Now, since the team traded for Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, they've been kind of del designated to a second-line role. And honestly, it's not even that because they're so good defensively. That line has taken the burden of a lot of defensive zone face-offs. They they kill penalties, William Carlson and Riley Smith. I think with with the firepower of Stone and Pacioretty out, you're going to elevate that line with Carlson, Smith, and Marshall. So up to the top line, you're going to give them more offensive opportunities. And you're going to need scoring from that line, kind of like you saw in year one for the Vegas Golden Knights. So I think that's going to be big. And then I also think the two new additions they added Evgeny Dadanoff in the offseason and they added Nolan Patrick and neither have been major contributors. They've been on that third line so far, not getting a ton of minutes, but I expect them to get elevated roles on this team now that Stone and Patch Ready are out. And um, Nolan Patrick has kind of looked better and better. He's looked more comfortable every time he's on the ice, but he still hasn't looked like a playmaker, like a guy who's going to drive offense consistently for this team. Dodonov has looked good. Um, he hit a post late in that game on a really nice play that he kind of diced through the defense and, and ripped one over the goalie's glove, but he just hit off the inside of the post. So I think Dodonov's going to have a big uh, role. They're going to expect that, some goals out of him, and if he can't produce, they're going to really struggle. But I think most of the burden for scoring-wise is going to go on that now top line of Carlson, Marcius, and Smith.
2: Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I'll tell you that. Some early season challenges for the Vegas Golden Knights. He is Jesse Granger from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, Jesse Granger underscore. And we want to just wrap by sending our best wishes and thoughts to Manny Viveros, the assistant coach, or the head coach, excuse me, of the Henderson Silver Knights who announced over the weekend that he'll be taking a leave of absence uh, for medical reasons, non-COVID. So him and his family in our thoughts and prayers. Jesse, thank you for joining us. Uh, love the insight, and thanks for coming on the Daily Faceoff Show.
3: Thanks, Jesse. Thanks
0: for having me, guys.
2: All right. Let us get us to our inbox question of the day. And we got a good one using hashtag ask DFO over the weekend. Bryce, the question comes to us from fifty goal man. He says, not in a season, fifty <laughs> lifetime goals is his username. Don't know whatever that means. Must be a really long <laughs> men's league career. But uh men's he asks, for sure. what what are your early impressions of Zach Hyman with the Oilers?
3: Well, <laughs> it's a small sample set to really make a a fair assessment of his play i, I look he's playing with ryan uh, ryan uh nugent hopkins and i think you know they haven't got a point even strength yet but i like what they're doing even strength they're controlling the shot attempts over 54 percent. they're controlling the scoring chances i think they're generating 72 of the scoring chances every time they're on the ice and then the high danger chances they're also above 75 percent. so they're controlling the puck the offense in the offensive zone, Frank. And uh, for 50 G man, I wouldn't be too concerned just yet. Um, and, you know, maybe if we look another five, six games and you got Hyman without any even strength points, well, then we can revisit this. But it's t- still too early in the season um, to, you know, to be concerned about Zach Hyman. I think he's going to fit in just nicely.
2: Yeah, even strength points aside, I think he's been exactly as advertised in terms of the attitude and what he brings to uh, the forecheck and recovering pucks and all that for the Oilers. And he's still a big reason why I think, um, you know, ultimately, if he gets a chance to play more with McDavid, that that's why I see McDavid getting to that 150 point mark this season is because of a help from a guy like Zach Hyman. So. Let's bring in, uh, speaking of Edmonton, we'll go out to Edmonton for our daily best bet on the daily faceoff show. He is Tyler Remchuck. What nectar of the gambling gods do you have for us today?
1: <laughs> that is a fantastic intro. First off, it's sponsored by our friends over at Points Bet Frank. I'm coming off a one in one weekend, so not bad. We got the over in that game on Friday between uh, New Jersey and Chicago, but the Jets jets did us in blowing that lead against the sharks tonight i'm going to start with zach hyman's former team out in toronto i don't necessarily have a play for this one but just some numbers i found interesting toronto minus 191 on the money line going up against a rangers team that i believe is 1-1-1 one, one, and one through their first three games this season uh but austin matthews is expected to return to the lineup in this one and he is minus 132 to score a goal which means the sports books are implying about a 57% chance that he finds the back of the net in this one. If if you want to go minus 132 to score, I I don't love the value there, but I do kind of like over one and a half points for Matthews in his season debut. It is plus 160, but the big play I do like tonight is out in the St. Louis Blues game as they're taking on the Arizona Coyotes. Blues did really well going up against the Avalanche in their season opener, winning that game 5-3. They're minus 180 on the money line but i actually like taking them to win in regulation at minus 110 i i honestly think the puck line is an interesting spot as well at plus 145 meaning they'd have to win by at least two goals but like i said impressive in their first game of the year beating the avalanche the coyotes have not been impressive early losing in overtime and then getting blown out by the blue jackets back in their season opener and i just look at this st louis blues forward group and i just think it's incredibly deep like you got vladimir tarasenko playing on your third line robert thomas is your third line center. Their top six is strong. They're big. They'll grind you down. I love this Blues forward group to absolutely go off against the Coyotes, and taking them on the puck line is good value, but my play for tonight is Blues minus 110 in regulation.
2: Love that. So basically what you're saying, though, is the Arizona Coyotes, that's going to be a theme all year from you, is we're going to see what kind of odds we can get, especially in the beginning of the year while the bookmakers are figuring it out.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of the spot to go here. Like they haven't shown that they can win hockey games yet. Their goaltending (laughs) has been bad. They aren't really scoring. Like nothing's going right in Arizona and the blues are a really good team. So I just think it's close to even money on them to win in regulation. And that's, that's enough value for me to make it my play of the day.
2: Love it. Well, thanks a lot, Tyler. And yeah, that's something that we'll continue to monitor here on the daily face off best bet. So now for my favorite time of the show, garbage time, Bryce, this is all i know in my hockey playing (laughs) career as as poor as it was this is when i would be on the ice you'd be on the ice out there preserving leads and saving games the floor is yours give us something that's caught your eye to start the nhl season something you feel passionate about
3: well what i really feel passionate about is the jimmy hayes story here What what a tragedy and by no means is this a a garbage time topic, you know, from that sense, this is a a real serious situation. And I just really want to commend the family for their courage and releasing the autopsy uh, results because it just really sheds light Frank on, you know, what addiction can lead to from painkillers and, and just, you know, continues the, the narrative and the story and really trying to help players that become addicted to painkillers, you know, get help. And uh, you know, having played in 14 years in the National Hockey League, I played through pain, broken bones, banged up shoulders, elbows, and there's a lot of games that if you didn't have painkillers, you wouldn't been, have been able to play. So there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Injured, you can't play. Hurt, you can, and more often than not, you need painkillers. And and so it, it's it's one of those situations where the league, the players associations, you know, each team, we continue to monitor it and really make sure that we're trying to make sure guys that need help get help. And um, so this is just one of those situations where I, again, I just commend the Hayes family for really bringing this to light and, and wanting to share the, you know, the sad details of of the story here to hopefully help other players and and other, and other, you know, people.
2: Yeah. It would have been really easy to just keep quiet and not say anything Um, you know, it's not the stigma, I guess, if there's any embarrassment attached to it. Uh, but they're facing it head on. That's what the Hayes family does. And we certainly commend them for that to continue the conversation, which also Robin Leonard himself started a little bit earlier this year uh with his tweets, which of course grabbed the NHL and NHLPA's attention. I think we're all trying to make this uh, a better game for everyone and, and certainly a safer game for the players that... Uh, we ask so much of on a nightly basis. Bryce, so well said on your part. And that'll wrap your first edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Loved your insight and analysis. For more of that from the rest of our team at Daily Faceoff, head over to dailyfaceoff.com. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you right here tomorrow on the Daily Faceoff Show.
1: Thanks for watching the Daily Face Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.